Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. And we have special guest in the house today, Jim Mafood. Uh, before we dive into this Martin Eamond uh, art appreciation episode, I want to uh, remind everybody of Cartoonist Kayfabe comic book Christmas in July. We're asking all of our audience to pull out their extra comics, the, the comics that they don't want anymore, the comps that they have, and put them in your local lending libraries, those small neighborhood libraries that are out there. We know readers use those. So let's try to make some new comic book readers by putting good comic books into those local libraries the last Saturday in July, coming up shortly, July 30th. So help us build some new comic book readers there. We also ask everybody to like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Hit the bell icon to be notified of new videos so whenever you see White Trash Comics and you don't have it in your collection, you want to be the first ones to go looking for these on eBay or at your local comic shop. So hit that notification button and you will have a leg up on the Kayfabe effect where these books can get scarce quickly or they can go up in price as the day goes on. And finally, let these videos play through to the end. That allows YouTube's algorithm to share our videos with other comics fans that haven't found Cartoonist Kayfabe yet. It's how we grow the channel and we appreciate your help on that. And before we crack one of these beautiful books open, Jim Mafood, guest of the episode, where should people look for your latest, greatest work? Yeah, guys, uh, Girl Scout Stone Ghost, my latest trade in comic shops or score a signed copy off my website, jimmafood.com. Also, brand new exclusive Girl Scouts comics at zestworld.com that I'm creating for the next year. And um, Jim Mafood on Twitter and Instagram, just my name is my handle. And uh, say hi. Let's do it. Sounds good. So, Martin Eamon, uh, super interesting cartoonist. Um, we have some Lobo books that we're going to get into after we flip through some of White Trash. White Trash is where I first saw this guy's work. Great painter. Um, kind of a almost like a gig poster sign painting kind of style very graphic and white trash published by tundra and i think tundra uk maybe specifically right um, yeah 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 although i might be wrong about that because <laughs> i associate him with like uk comics he was in the anthology toxic which was a uk publication but he's actually from new zealand so i may be wrong about it being uh uk gordon tundra. gordon rennie's a, a brit and uh it's so funny to think like like fantagraphics right publishers of monsters and everything i love is monsters yeah <laughs> and uh tundra publications they might have done a couple dozen books three dozen books or something and they did white trash and trailer trash of which you and i have very famous arguments about <laughs> both thinking that we were adamantly correct that no the tundra book was called trailer trash by roy Tompkins. no it was called white trash by uh, by Marty Emmond, and uh, we were both correct. Yeah, I feel like that's Kevin Eastman pulling a rib on us <laughs> from the past. It does say Tundra Publishing UK, so we were right about that. But you can see right off the bat, it's this painted art style, which wasn't uh, wasn't that common in the early 90s. Not very many people capable of doing that, especially at this detail level and a four-issue miniseries at this detail level. Wild. Kevin Eastman is a heck of a patron of the of the comic arts, and he has a very specific kind of taste. It's a very butch taste. Uh, Bisley comes to mind and stuff. Yes. And uh, this kind of style is, is in that wheelhouse with a mix of the whimsical... Uh, kind of flavor you would get from like a Jamie Hewlett or, or guys yeah, like that. Definitely. And it's probably what attracted me to this to begin with. I am so impressed with like the painting on this car. It looks both plastic and metal at the same time. Wild stuff. Amazing. Jim yeah, man. All, throughout this series, like the grills <laughs> of the car are so impressive, you know, and 
This dude, this series is just, I mean, it's straight up Gonzo comics. As you can see on the left page there, top panel, there's even a reference to Raul Duke, Hunter S. Thompson's alias in his Gonzo works. So I'm assuming Martin is also, you know, looking at uh, Ralph Steadman. And I don't know if it was Nathan Cabrera, who Nathan shared a studio with him in L.A. for a little bit, who told me that in the beginning of his career, Martin was struggling to find his style. And then he eventually connected with Simon Bisley and like went to Simon's studio and hung out for like a month or something. And Simon basically showed him the foundations of how he paints and illustrates. And Martin took that and is using a similar process, which I believe is working darks first, dark into light. And then Martin took that and twisted it into his own, you know, unique brand of, uh, crazy bizarre looking stuff you know i i really like his work a lot it's very unique very bugged out and uh he's doing his own thing for sure and fully going for it jim did you ever meet martin i, I think your time in la may have overlapped a little bit i didn't you know i i got there in 2003 and he unfortunately passed in uh 2004 so, I mean, that's the other thing about his work is we, we only have this kind of s small window of his stuff. But I think everything he did is, is definitely worth checking out. You know, it's all and you guys huge shock, but I'm really drawn to artists that have their own unique, bugged out, bizarre style. So his work, as soon as I saw it, really spoke to me. And I think it's OK to say this, but there's there was also parts of his work that I found kind of unappealing when I first saw it, like kind of off-putting and, and, but then you get into it and it, and it, it, you know, I really admire just that um, go for it attitude and, and you can't deny the, the craftsmanship and the painting skills. It's, it's crazy shit. Yeah. The color looks beautiful on here. You mentioned Hewlett and Bisley and I see so many signs of those two guys like flipping through this issue yeah. And one of the great qualities for me is the cartooniness, you know, like the big eyeballs, the kind of elongated, stretched, weird figure shapes and things like that. I'm a big fan of that. And it's something that when I started reading comics, I just didn't see a lot in Marvel DC. And you'd see these guys show up that were like way more hardcore than Marvel DC and yet somehow still had that cartoony element in it. And it just blew my mind. It was almost like too many different things converging on one right. page. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it was also that thing of like, oh, this is possible. Go this direction, like incorporate all of these influences. Definitely, man. And it's it's interesting, too, because I was noticing this stuff, but like comparing to Bisley, like Bisley's figures are all very, you know, muscular and Frank Frazetta on steroids and very macho. And Martin isn't afraid to get weird elongated grotesque almost with the anatomy and some of it looks like it's inspired by um like egon Schiele or, or, or something you know right. it, it, there's traces of almost like fine art in his stuff it's it's um it's just very interesting unique stuff and even even his storytelling has its own kind of vibe to it fun incorporation of lettering here too but the amount yeah. of detail that you see like on bikes and reflective surfaces it's shocking like i'm always kind of confused how like people that paint actually do comics where it's like yeah 10 10 panels on a page yeah. 10 panels on a page like how it, are you doing this yeah it's when you go 
to business studio and you see the kind of system that's that's at play that it start it start to make more sense i think i also like seeing some of the ads for what's going on in comics at this time certainly period. tundra you know we saw that skin ad and uh jim i mentioned uh carol swain in the uh generation x video that we did and she she helped out on that that skin uh oh. book with brenda mccarthy okay I love seeing okay. this too, incorporating different media, like having uh, some some notebook paper for a background. And that, that feels Stedman-ish, like, totally. a, like a Stedman kind of hand style. Even a little Definitely. bit of the lettering feel, has that Stedman, maybe more controlled, but a little bit of that quality. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what I'm talking about. There's there's a lot at play. I mean, there's there's Von Bode Great here. lettering there. Uh, I see certain pieces that feel like uh, Joe Coleman. I mean, this could have been in Deadline Magazine if Tundra hadn't showed up. I was going to say Highlights Magazine, rainy day fun for boys and girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Terror Dome, direct you know, reference to Public Enemy and uh, a lot of pop culture nods. Um, the story itself is basically like, what if Elvis and Axl Rose teamed up to go on a Gonzo-style mission uh, across the country, you know, uh, the Axel character is named Dean. They couldn't actually use Axel's name, but his goal is to get to uh, L.A. to become a famous rock star. Elvis, who's just referred to as the king, is uh, going to Vegas. And I mean, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas style, they're literally two crazy guys in a convertible driving across the desert, causing, you know, violence and mischief and mayhem. It's not hard to put together like what the influences are here you know it has that um like americana kind of quality like where you see brits or uh you know people doing their version of america that i oh, think yeah. is filtered through pop culture mostly that we're exporting totally uh, yeah is what we're getting thrown back at us on these pages which makes for a pretty fun read yeah yeah it's you know the earlier generation it would have been jean Giraud's mike moby like the uh lieutenant blueberry shit where you know our export at the time was cowboy movies yes exactly and that's the kind of stuff you know garth ennis has a version of that where he's into like very butch macho like our u.s army stuff yeah and like you can kind of see our exports at this point <laughs> is it ed uh, go back real quick ed is this a painted page from red room There's, yeah right <laughs> uh, uh, ed Gein burgers and, uh... bundy bars <laughs> wow yeah it... Man, these centerfolds too. Again, it calls to mind um, Deadline Magazine to me because there will often be those color centerfolds in the early deadlines. And uh, man, this stuff looks on point for that. Look at the striations. Yeah. It's amazing. The details in like in the shoes and things, just really mind-blowing. Glenn Fabry comes to mind too, another one of those It's um, all the biz British disciples. Painters, yeah. You know, the biz disciples. And one of the things that they, that they do, like it's interesting you mentioned the dark to light because one of the hallmarks of biz that is divorced from almost everybody who paints is he will use black. And, you know, that used, that's the old rule. You never, ever, ever use black in, in your paint, but, but biz disobeys that. And you see uh, Emin um, certainly does also. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know if you guys learned early on, but I kind of learned early on that in every piece you do, you want to have a blackest black and a whitest white area of every panel, every illustration you do, and then everything in between that, all the different variations of uh, gray, the medium tones, that helps balance things. But to me, not you know... It, not using black seems almost 
counterintuitive, you know? It does. Um, man, seeing some of these vehicles calls to mind like Fury Road. Like yeah. McCarthy designs oh, yeah. for yeah. Fury Road. That's another thing that's impressive to me is to be able to do figures and cars. That's almost everything. Yeah. You know, because that's a really three-dimensional thing, your, your cars, and also blocky, square, straight edges. And if you can do that well, like, what else is there? You know, like, there's some combination between... Uh, the figure in the car that would cover just about everything. I like these like faux advertisements because here you're getting to see like pen and ink work with him. Um, pretty good if you're going to do faux advertising in your comic to be able to like switch up the style enough to make it look different than the uh, typical panels. Look at that for a great back cover, right? That cover is amazing. It's so hardcore. That's <laughs> ridiculous. It's awesome. Same deal here, you know, seeing some of the pen and ink work. It just really makes that separate from the contents of the actual comic. Yep. Yeah, creates a great hole, though, as a, as a package goes. I wonder if he's lettering this himself. I was trying to figure that out. It might be one of these credits down here, a roadie. <laughs> it's, it's such a controlled lettering. Like, I, I don't think he, he would be able to do that. Like, clearly, this is him, but that really looks like a different hand. Yeah, I think you're right about that. There's so much lettering, though, that's in the art that's really standout stuff. Yeah, yeah. Here goes some of that Egon Schiele sort of proportionality. Makes me wonder if he had um, some commercial art background or a design background or something. Because it's a real attention to details that not every cartoonist has. I know that he did album covers for Danzig and also did some stuff for Danzig's Verotic line. So I'm assuming he definitely comes from that illustration background and knowing how to incorporate logos and text and just everything into a piece, you know, not just doing sequentials it's this a, makes uh, me want him to do a predator comic <laughs> wouldn't that have been badass yes it's yeah. so funny the overlap as far as taste goes between kevin eastman and glenn danzig because yes. they use like yeah. a lot of the same guys man absolutely yeah. seriously though he would have been the best dude ever on a predator comic you know wow. i i don't doubt that we will not see a sexual tyrannosaurus in the pages of white trash at some point i mean that's a good arnold yeah that's funny is that a metal plate like on his forehead? That's great. <laughs> that's like that's like British. Like, that's like some 2000 AD. Yeah, yeah you, you see those, those judged red bad guys would have that. This yeah. is the greatest panel of my life. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the album influence too. I mean, how much Iron Maiden? You know, you could you could fit him right into that. Jeez. Oh yeah, and it's interesting because like um, looking at all four issues of this series, I feel like his painting skills greatly improve as as the series goes on like he's learning as he's working on this series it makes a lot of sense i you know i'm not sure when he did that toxic stuff that i was talking about um like accident man i think is one of the, the i think he did like two serials in toxic but time wise like this might have been one of his first comics white trash yeah jim i think toxic was was before this like in my notes i had that as being one of his early Things that he did that with uh, Pat Mills. Yeah. Um, Love so this I think, effect. You know, having your, your motion and doing oh, yeah. that cartoonist effect. A little DeLuca. Exactly. Yeah, Pat Mills, another guy who certainly seems to have an eye for talent and bring, you know, finding these guys and being like the first collaborator with a lot of these great talents. Go see the shoot interview. The amount of detail, though, in some of these paintings. Makes you wonder how big the original tight. art is. Or is he using, like, you know, two bristle-haired brushes? 
I can't imagine, you know, like you could see all the detail of like all the bullets in those in those uh, belts. It's really over the top. Here comes Flight of the Valkyries. <laughs> wow, yeah. Able to nail quite a few textures too. Getting that metallic texture, big piece of uh, if you're going to paint. And then this is almost like cell animation or yeah. something, these flat figures on top of it. Bringing look at in this. some of the pen and ink work. <laughs> On that right page, look at the silhouette of that evil Cadillac. It's just like, it's ridiculous. It's awesome. <laughs> there, there was a guy who worked with Bakshi who would paint backgrounds. It would be like uh, the backgrounds in the movie Cool World. And there would be backgrounds in uh, the background of American Pop that would push the figures and the proportions of the backgrounds, the perspectives in that same way. If you go on his um, Instagram page, Bakshi's, he highlights a lot of that guy's artwork, uh, but it's but it's very similar, fully painted, very, very uh, exaggerated. Yeah, nice. A lot of detail. This that that cover is ridiculous too, man. Look at that. That's just that's that Adam Atomica. Atomica, yeah. Wow. So it's a dual published thing. I don't know. I did. Yeah, I guess I see that on uh, a lot of these covers. They all have that, and it's in the credits. And I think that's Dave Elliott is uh in the credits page i think that he he's going to the business for himself from that that lineup i think he was he was the guy who who was the head of uh you know tundra uk cartoonist kayfabe is brought to you by the comics that ed piscor and i make red room trigger warnings the second season of red room all self-contained stories issues one to four now available in comic shops everywhere Red Room, the anti-social network, the trade paperback collection of the first season of Red Room, now available in comic shops everywhere, minus 28 countries where it's banned in 10 comic shops, but you can still request it there. And coming in September, the collection, the trade paperback of Red Room Trigger Warnings will be in stores in September. You can pre-order that now at your local comic shop or online wherever you buy your books. Hulk Grand Design Monster and Hulk Grand Design Madness in comic shops everywhere. The 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk. I am writing, drawing, lettering, coloring the Grand Design treatment, retelling that 60-year history. And you can now pre-order the Hulk Grand Design Oversized Treasury Collection, uh, about 40 extra pages in that. It'll be in stores before Christmas, but you can pre-order it now in your comic shops or in your bookstores wherever you're, you buy comics. And now back to our regular scheduled programming. Tap into every manga fan's greatest dream with Comixology Unlimited. Get unlimited access to an unrivaled library of over 40,000 digital comics, manga, and graphic novels featuring hit manga titles like Attack on Titan, Vinland Saga, and Fairy Tale. And on top of that, you can also save up to 15% when buying select new and current comics. With Comixology Unlimited, get unlimited reading anywhere you go. Try Unlimited today with a free 30-day trial and just $5.99 a month afterwards. For details, visit Amazon.com slash Comics Unlimited. This, to me, feels like we've introduced some new media or some different airbrush. Paint, paint techniques from the first three issues. Yeah, getting the airbrush in there. Which is pretty great if you're building towards getting to Vegas to have something left up your sleeve to be like, here's some new visuals that we're going to put on the page once we arrive. That's almost yep. backsheet-ish, by the way. It is. Yeah, it has that glow that you would see in animation. I guess, you know, coming from, from that lighting effect, you can get a little bit more of that glow. That's amazing. Some That's time unbelievable. <laughs> must have transpired between the last issue and this one because, like, he's he's really leveling up. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. It's like you can see this really obvious uh, evolution in his just technical ability. It's It's really impressive. Yeah, it's killer stuff. Because it's like... 
one page of this might take you a month to do. And he, and he's given us a couple dozen. Yeah, and how hard is it to have this Cadillac now in a state of being crashed, drawing that from some different perspectives? That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> there's our king, there's, man. There's the king, baby. Yeah, he's rocking the gold suit. <laughs> how about that drapery? That's, it's wonder what Axl Rose thinks when something like this comes out. Just furious. Mad he's not I'm sure, you know, I, yeah. I, I would th think that he would maybe think this was a compliment. You I know, think it's... I, if I remember right, he had a sense of humor about Weird Al doing some stuff. Doing some parody songs. I'm so impressed by these panels that break down and just go into like all this detail. It's it's an interesting way, you know, like like this makes sense, right? You could see doing a series like this, but then you get into like let's draw cameras and reel to reel tape players and stuff. Just a lot, a lot yeah, to uh, balance. That's a great effect of light coming between your panels. Really like that. Interesting that it's not it's uh not, it doesn't bleed. One bleed here, but most of these pages don't bleed. Surprising for this time of year. Look at that gun. Look at the <laughs> rendering. It's a shame that this splash page is right next to a full page ad. That's weird placement because that ad takes away from the thunder of that, you know, of that splash. It really does. I love that you can see like the paint strokes in the reflect those those highlights. Yeah. That's nice. And like that motion blur. It's good stuff. <laughs> Man, feeling lucky, punk. Yeah, playing the hits. Like I said, it, it really is this like American, you know, what we would see in Preacher yeah. a few years later on, something like that. Just taking a stab at some of the popular American culture. Yeah, and it's, it's that perfect thing where like, we're too close to it. We couldn't see our own stuff the way that somebody from right outside like yeah like yeah we're not coming up with elvis next to the eagle yeah with music right, notes right. and shit that's genius that is really good i don't know how you resist putting that on the cover and holy shit like even the action figure in the package yeah that there's so much going on here it it's brilliant. It's almost a still yeah. life. Makes me wonder if you set up a still life, if you're going to attempt to paint this. I bet you. And then you fill in your details. Because having things like a necklace on top of handwritten notes and pieces of paper and magazines. You even got to get the perspective right, kind of. Yeah. And a different, you know, like a tape case and cigarette package. It's a lot to manage. Yeah. It's interesting to figure out, like, how much photo reference that he used throughout this entire series, you know, with with just everything, understanding how to paint drapery, clothing, motorcycles. It's wow. Cause yeah. none of it is, uh, none of it looks like you're tracing a photo. It all looks like he's adding a cartoon layer to oh, it. Yeah. Um, you know, I yep. think that Cadillac that was in the first three, three and a half issues is a good example of that, where it's like recognizable as a Cadillac, but by no means like proportionally accurate. Like I said, some of my favorite stuff comes out of that style where it's, there's, a recognizable real-world counterpart, but it is just twisted through the, you know, demented vision of the artist. Definitely. There's that Hewlett-ish kind of sets of proportion and the Emmond color on top. 
Man, I love look at, those, look at those creatures, those creatures at the bottom. Of the, <laughs> like, that's amazing, man. It's crazy shit. Totally wild. Those highlights, man, that really sells the dimensionality. And I, I love that now they're incorporating like the Dear Penthouse letter column part. Yeah. Like, <laughs> listeners, send in your, uh, send in some Polaroids. <laughs> right on point. Look yeah. at that with the, with the bubble gum. That's amazing. Yeah, what a good sound effect, working the sound effect into that bubble burst thing. By the way, I remember these days where you would just open up 10 Bazooka Joes and put them all in yep. at once. So disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> See, seeing him do this piece, though, it, let, it, it lets me know that, like, oh, wow, this guy could have been one of the illustrators on, like, Tops cards, like Wacky Packs or a Garbage Pail or any of that. You know, he, he has, uh, what's his name, John Pound? He, yeah, yeah. He, he can almost channel that level of illustrator um it could have crossed over i mean in into that level of you know uh i'm illustrating for tops now or, or whoever whatever uh, other client comes along yeah you can really see like some of the cartooning in this it's really clear it's amazing that you can see through the bubble being blown up and i mean like the expression on a face of blowing up a bubble got to be one of the harder expressions to try to pull off and and it's there you know look closely you can see that translucent bubble and see him doing it that's amazing stuff. So that's some painted work from uh, Martin Eamon. And uh, let's get into some of the, the pen and ink and line work that he brought to Lobo in like 1994-95. I believe this is his first Lobo. And you know you can see the painted style on the cover completely over the top with anatomy. And even the details of like Lobo's, the pieces that you know, like the skull kneecaps and stuff, even playing with the cartoon elements on those. It's a great start. Yeah. Very striking cover, no no pun intended. But This lets you know the, the time period that we're dealing with. Man, Batman just got his back broke. Right. But you can <laughs> see, like, this lets you know that they read White Trash in order to find him for a Lobo project, where he's bringing in his, like, stinky, fly-infested collection of bounty. Yep. Incredible. Once, once you see the pen and ink, I can't help but think of Richard Corbin. Yeah, there's a little bit of that in there. But the cartooning is still there. You know, seeing that Axl Rose blowing the bubble carries right over here. You know what I love about these guys? I mean, he's, he's such a drawer, but he's not going to, like, give you that, like, take down on the page, roll out your perspective grids kind of backgrounds and stuff. Yeah. It's and, all and cartooning. It? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's very liberating. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that draws me to his style, you know, to his work is it's like, okay, this is a guy that's just fully forming his own universe to play in with, with his work. And he does that's the most, that's what I'm most attracted to with, you know, cartooning and comics. And not to take a shot, but how boring is this? Compared to this? <laughs> <laughs> They're not doing him any favors advertising in this particular book. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Eamon brings a lot to Lobo also. Like it's tough, I think, to follow Bisley on a character like Lobo but there's a few things that he brings in his, um, you know, I think the figure itself is a little bit different, but also even like the hair is a different treatment than what uh, Bisley was doing. And here we see passed out Lobo and what he's dreaming of. Just 20 girls all around him. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's Bisley, obviously, when he does his ink work, it's a scratchier, you know, more Sienkiewicz-y textural thing on the rougher end. And. Martin's doing, you know, his own complete, completely unique thing. I wouldn't say it's 
smooth and clean, but it's definitely, he's not uh, uh, having to, you know, commit to following, you know, anything that Simon did. It's, it's He's just going for it. On it his still own. keeps that very cartoonish figures uh, running around. This is almost a road warrior. Doesn't that profile look yeah. like yeah. Uh, those those guys? Like their their first costumes, like look like that man. <laughs> Sneaking in some painted pieces. That's always a slick move. It feels like Sam Keith would do that. You know, like in totally. the Max, where it'd be a couple oh, of yeah. yep. pages. Totally, and I I'd like to think that like. He put it in there because he felt like it, they needed it, whether they they pay for it or not. You know what I mean? It's just like I have to do this, and then obviously the. And this is where you see like that cartoony ability that he has paying off, right? Like let's electrocute this character and see what happens, and then giant payoff as we get to see Lobo being Lobo. You know what we came for. This ad does make me want to read uh, the demon. McCray McCray is cool, man. That's a good look. He's great. I, I know John. He's a good guy. I have uh, those collections, by the way. They're good. It's Garth Ennis writing too. So yeah, yeah. Imagine Eamon doing like like Bane. You know, like he sure. would have done just a killer version of Bane. He would he would have made that uh, back break more dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly more visceral. Um, Lobo Cop. This was one of those random finds. Like um, once I started going into dollar bins and stuff, had no idea this existed. It does not feel like it's a real book. Right. Like how yeah. do you do this? Yeah. That's the same thing that happened to me, Jim, that happened to me too. Like I randomly found that in a 50 cent bin like uh, four or five years ago and was like, I didn't even know that Lobo cop was a thing. Like what, what is this? It's just nuts. Very bizarre. And I love that they have to do the disclaimer. This is a parody on page one. (laughs) It's pretty, uh, pretty accurate to Lobo, you know, the mentality of Lobo at the time. I don't know if what order these were done in, but it feels like he's really confident now getting into this this area where you're getting to see all of his skills on display. Yep. Completely again you over guys, the top. Would you guys say that there is a slight element of even Harvey Kurtzman cartooning in, in Martin's work and, and some of the figures, some of the gestures? I could see it. Some of the rubber. The, the, yeah, the, the rubber. The yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good call. I, I would be curious about like what influences he was actually drawing from, you know, if it's Kurtzman, if it's a disciple of Kurtzman that he's pulling from, because you'll see a lot of cartoon language. Like he's looking at somebody that has that cartoon. Will Elder came to mind with some of the white trash stuff with all the, uh, there's chicken fat. Yes. Man, I would love whenever this stuff shows up too, you know, just like throwaway vehicles or something, but he's so good at it. This is some of that chicken fat kind of stuff. Whenever he does draw like a background and it's just loaded. Like if we zoom in on that, it's readable. Yep. <laughs> there we go. Wow. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Covering up his junk. <laughs> That's amazing. Haven't seen him do a lot of metal of this sort so far, and it's perfect. And that poor car design that I like, forget about it. But you know, like this kind of cartoony stuff, he's certainly looking at people that are versed in that cartoon language. Yes. It And you know, Again, like just as a cartoonist looking at this, it's like I wouldn't want to have to draw Lobo Cop every over and over in every panel. It's just a complicated, uh, but he makes it his own. You know, he 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 makes it work for him, uh, and it looks like he's having a blast drawing this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. The people who are protesting Lobo uh, calls it an un- illegal gathering, gives them some time to clear out, and goes to work. Also, not that far off from, like, the flavor of RoboCop. Yeah. Yep. 
Which which is Judge Dredd. Yeah, totally. Which is British. So it's that sphere of influence. Yeah, I wonder, um, do you guys know if he did any Judge Dredd? Because that seems like a perfect fit for his style. I don't know that he was at 2000 AD. Yeah, I couldn't, could I couldn't find any of that in, in like the research I did, but he, it seemed like he just kind of bounced around. He did a couple things for heavy metal. Uh, I showed Ed a, an amazing Ninja Turtles little story he did for heavy metal uh, at one point. And um, very noteworthy yeah. on this channel, you know, him doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I feel like that's a book that, that we all hold up in high esteem. Um, yeah. Ed, Ed shared those picks. So I got to see those as well. And it's yeah. amazing to see him do those characters. So good. It's really cool. And it feels like that's an Eastman, like, uh, hey, man, come back. A little Lord Jess. <laughs> we had such a good time with White Trash. Like, <laughs> yeah. you can do some more work for me. Dude, this this cover, by the way, like, seeing this on the newsstand when it came out where, you know, like, Dead Man is putting his hand through Lobo. Yeah. It's just, it's such a bizarre, uh, really interesting just really unique thing going on. You put this next to like your monthly Superman book and it's, uh, there's no comparison. This is my favorite of his Lobo work, uh, at least of the stuff that I have. I think he did a couple more like short stories that were in like maybe a Lobo annual and stuff. I don't have those, but this stuff, I think his Lobo, like he's really found it at this point. This is 1995. So like I said, this is the most recent Lobo stuff or the latest Lobo stuff that I have of his. And it's, I guess it's painted, although, you know, like some of this stuff feels like a, a conventional ink black line. So I don't know. Maybe he's blending the two, doing doing some ink, some painting on this stuff. But it yeah. really shines. It's it's interesting, too, because he's taking that Kelly Jones elongate, elongated grotesque madman and adding, you know, his own spin onto that. Yeah. Even going further than, than Kelly Jones, which wouldn't have seemed possible. For anybody right. that's familiar with that Kelly Jones Dead Man material, um, part of what I love about this is it's taking place on this uh, on Bismo Beach. So you're going to end up seeing a lot of like bodybuilder types, which kind of fit pretty well with uh, both Lobo and Dead Man. He even goes chibi. Yeah, he could do it all. Yeah, totally leaning into that cartoon style, the little dots for eyes. And of course, you can imagine um, not getting along with his fellow beachgoers. <laughs> Right. Love this kind of that. stuff. Anytime yeah, he yeah. Into the cartoon, yeah. it's great. Guy hits him with a frisbee and asks if he's okay, so he returns the frisbee and the question. <laughs> Gives him a receipt. <laughs> Same with this dude that was trying to sell him some uh, some beach clothes. Stuffs him in a suitcase. And here we go. <laughs> so wow. The top. Yeah. The dude has syringes in his nipples. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think the guy's name might be Steroids. His name. <laughs> <laughs> Steroid Bikers is tattooed on his chest. So good. Yeah, man. I mean, look at this stuff. It's just so... You're not going to see another comic on the shelves that looks like this. It's just... You also get to see that development style-wise. You know, going from White yeah. Trash to this, like, he's really pushing these forms much further than he does in the earlier stuff that we looked at. This is unbelievable. This splash page is wow. Like look at everything going on here. I mean, he's literally tearing this dude's arm off to the point of like, this is way more, 
graphic and I think grotesque than Biz ever got with it. It's like we're seeing full blown anatomy uh, <laughs> happening inside here. You know, it. Wow. You know, it's incredible. And it's again mixing media. If you look at like Lobo's torso, that looks like the painted stuff that he's doing. But clearly, this is like line art in other places. Do you think yeah. he's getting real sharp with it with the paint? Like, you know, inking with paint? I, I honestly, I don't know how you make this. Yeah. I don't know if you do some of it in line art and then he's blue lining to get the paint on there. You got me. Any any guesses on that, Jim? It's I, you know, I would have to consult with a technical master like my buddy Mike Huddleston or Jason Sean Alexander, someone who knows that painterly world a little bit more and just figure out like what what is happening here. Cause if but I think you guys are I think you guys are close with like he's on the pages he's painting, he's like drawing this stuff and maybe projecting it onto illustration board, inking part of it, leaving some of the line open and just filling it with paint. And he's at this point, he's like a, a super, super tight painter, you know, with in complete control of the medium and and airbrush and everything that's involved do you think he's painting all of the color because some of these colors are so flat some of these backgrounds i wonder how you achieve that Look, looks like airbrush you could do that with an airbrush pretty easy that must be it yeah it would explain some of the splatter effect too that he's yeah, able to achieve that kind of stuff yeah and all this it's a really good lobo i don't know if you've ever seen the sam keith lobo um I forget Highway to Hell maybe is the name of it. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, it has some of these qualities, some of the where where like you're almost doing painting and ink next to each other. Yep. Look at that man! Little shouts to Glenn Danzig with the Sam Hain, or I guess that's more the Danzig skull. Yeah. Almost oh totally. yeah. That that is that's incredible. That's so over the top. That's like something out of uh, Metalocalypse or something. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and that, that's the other thing about his work and his work on Lobo, just like busy. I mean, this is like metal type shit, you know, put your devil horns in the air, bang your head, put on some Slayer. <laughs> and uh, also this appearance of Darkseid. It's like, why doesn't Darkseid just look like this in DC Comics normally? <laughs> totally. It's, it's like the best Darkseid, you know, I've seen. You really feel the granite skin. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like cracks in that in, in his uh, stone flesh. I mean, just completely gonzo now on his on his anatomy at this point. We're going yeah. we're going to Dante <laughs> right now, I think, man. And again, yeah, still are... has this cartoony language, you know, able to show yep. us him shaking his head. Just looking at that last page, I, I, it's like these originals have to be bigger than eleven by seventeen. They have to be. You would hope you know, so. There, there's no way he's uh, doing this to, to 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 that to the 11 by 17 scale. Look at that great lettering. Oh yeah, painting painting that lettering in. Super putrid. <laughs> A lot of money shots in this one. Mm, yep. It's a good effect too. Again, like being able to call in the cartoony parts whenever you need to do. Like we need him to be electrocuted. How does that look? slamming his head yeah this is really a display of what he's capable of yeah yeah and I, I was gonna say and then he goes to this look of like the open line and i mean i don't i don't know if it's watercolor but it's a, it's a uh much airier 
type look because these are the spirits now of of Lobo and uh, right. Dead Man. Got to put a little skull over the junk. <laughs> yeah. I see um, what I think are some markers, marker marks in some of this stuff as well. Like maybe a, a like a, a old school Prismacolor kind of. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you can see the strokes pretty distinctly. I don't see any on this spread, but on the previous spread, I could see stuff, and it's like I think definitely it was probably a marker, but again, I just don't don't know. Hard to say. Yeah. But it does allow him to really show off what he's capable of. This this story. That's markerish. And it makes me wonder yeah. what all he's doing like post ninety five because I think he I think he passes in like two thousand and four so almost a decade of work being done you know after this issue of Lobo. Yeah, I mean, I, I in my research I, I saw um, he you know he was freelancing he was doing album covers he was developing some animated stuff he was living in L A at the time um, there was a on a there's a website called neotext.com and ben mara and i both did illustration work for some of the novels they have up on this website and they have an actual uh, have a really good martin emmond uh career retrospective article up on there that i would recommend everyone check out if they want to know more about martin's work but it is weird and also adds to the kind of allure and mystery of him as an artist that we only have this like i said like this limited body of work for him and it definitely leaves me wanting more i mean i have i think most of his published comic stuff but i man I, I, there's got to be some archives of, of other stuff that he did you know and I, anyone out there i you know uh leave a comment or something but i hope maybe someone would have access to we need like a martin emmond uh art book or you know yeah. coffee table book or something that's a great image to end on with, uh, with with Lobo. Very cool, Jim. Uh, very fun to walk through some of this work too, because there's so much of this stuff that we look at in our collections, and and you know it takes a while to get to everybody. But uh, Martin Eamon, a guy that I've enjoyed looking at his work for years, so very fun to actually put it under the microscope for everybody. Yeah, definitely. And I, I just think that you know his work in the in the in terms of comic comic book artists and illustrators, like he deserves to have more of a spotlight on him and have uh, more eyes on his work. Cause I will mention him often to people and a lot of people still don't know who he is. Um, people know white trash sort of, but it, it's one of those things of, I feel like he's kind of a missing piece and, and he, he should get a little bit more love, you know? So I'm glad we had a chance to check, check out more. Jim, before we get out of here, man, uh, what, what books do you have out in the wild? Where should people go find your work? Yeah, man. Uh, JimMafu.com to purchase books, minis, prints. Uh, Girl Scout Stone Ghost is still in comic shops, uh, collecting my latest and greatest creator-owned series. Also, ZestWorld.com if you guys want brand new ongoing Girl Scouts online comics. And uh, JimMafu at Instagram and Twitter. 
Jim Rugg, what do you have out in the wild, man? Hulk Grand Design, the treasury-sized collection, is up for pre-order now at your local comic shops or online wherever you buy books, and that'll be out in shops in December, so in time to be the perfect Christmas gift. Just wrap a uh, red ribbon around it, and you'll be in business. That is Hulk Grand Design, the treasury edition collection, and you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrugg where you can see more of my comics, download some out-of-print comics, and uh, support me that way. Red Room Trigger Warnings, trade paperback, going to be in store September 2022. Great companion piece to go along with that anti-social network trade paperback from 2021. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. These comics are banned in more than 28 countries, banned in more than 10 comic shops, so you may need to hit up the link tree to order and pre-order these comics, or you could just hit up the Patreon. Three bucks will get you the archive there. More than 250 pages of comics up there as we speak. New strips every Tuesday. What else do we have out there, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.